This spot is brought to you by Eaton Vance, the symbol of advanced investing. What's inside your ETF? With Eaton Vance High Yield ETF, you know. Inside, you'll find smart bond selection from a specialized team with deep fixed income expertise. Get to know what's inside EVHY, the symbol of high yield done right, at eatonvance.com slash symbols. Before investing, prospective investors should carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. The current prospectus contains this and other information and is available at eatonvance.com. Read the prospectus carefully before investing. Not FDIC insured. Offer no bank guarantee. May lose value. Not insured by any federal government agency. Not a deposit. Investments involve risk. Principal loss is possible. Distributed by Foresight Fund Services, LLC. The views expressed on this podcast are those of the participants, not of Rogers News. Now, on the on the positive side, as I said, Israel has a very strong foundation for their economy, uh, uh, strong in global sense and very strong in a regional sense. I mean, let's be clear: if 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 Egypt or Jordan uh, had to confront the same thing that Israel is confronting today, they wouldn't last a month. Their economy mm-hmm. wouldn't last a month. Um, Israel's strength of its economy has has allowed it to weather these storms um, to date. That was William Weschler, Senior Director at Atlantic Council, a think tank based in Washington. Welcome to The Exchange. I'm Karen Kwok, a columnist at Reuters Breaking Views. This week, I'm joined by William Weschler. Weschler is a former U.S. Defense Department official and has been working on regional integration between Israel and its Arab and Muslim neighbors. He has been a long-term observer for the Israel and Palestinian conflict. In fact, he arrived Tel Aviv on October 7th when Hamas made a surprised attack in Israel. We talked about the shifting economic realities in Israel before and after the attack, how resilient Israel is financially to survive the crisis, and how the uncertain political and regional landscape may impact the current and future of Israel economy. Have a listen. Hello, Will. Welcome to the Exchange podcast. Uh, so it has been more than four weeks now since the start of the Israel-Hamas war on October 7th, and it has been a very depressing month. Uh, today, I want to talk to you about the state of the Israeli economy today relative to before the war, because before the war, it was actually quite strong. Uh, it was growing pretty robust and right now is completely changed the picture. I know that, that you actually landed the day, um, the day the war started on October 7th in Israel. So do you mind to give us an a overview of what you think Israel was before the war happened? Sure. Israel, before the war, had a very strong economy. Um, uh, growth was uh, projected to be um, positive, uh, over 3%, uh, very low unemployment. But even more than that, very strong uh, foundations. They had very low uh, debt um, to GDP ratio. Um, they had a booming uh, tech sector. They had growing relations, uh, economic relations in the in its region. Um, they were world leading at some uh, important areas. And 
while many of those underlying strengths, foundations, you know, remain, uh, the economic world in Israel is very different today than it was uh, before the terrorist attacks of October 7th. And uh, what's happening right now then? Because with loads of Israelis in the army rather than in their jobs, and you said that they are quite like a tech-powered economy, right? It must be quite seriously damaging to the Israeli economy. It definitely is. Um, the the major um, uh, uh, issues that they have um, are first and foremost the labor shortages. Um, they have uh, a, a couple of hundred thousand, um, over actually over three hundred thousand people that have been called up into the reserves. Mm-hmm. If you just look at the demographics, those people tend to skew younger mm-hmm. um, that are needed. If you look at the demographics of the Israeli tech sector, those also skew younger. So the tech sector, which has been the engine of the Israeli uh, economy in so many ways, is disproportionately negatively affected in the in the immediate term by the uh, reservists being called up. But it's not just the uh, tech sector where the labor shortages are um, uh, are very visible and seen. The uh, uh, the construction sector um, and others have uh, relied on a, a regular influx of of Palestinian workers from the West Bank. Um, uh, irony is before this also from Gaza to some degree. Um, and uh, and those were immediately shut off in the wake of um, the terrorist attacks. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for certain sectors, again, especially construction, um, this has been uh, really notable. Um, similarly on agriculture work uh, in Israel, which is quite important, um, they, they have relied on uh, some Palestinians, but they've also relied on other foreign workers as well. Uh, for instance, um, uh, workers from Thailand have played an important role in Israel's agricultural sector. And indeed, Hamas has taken you know hundreds of hostages from Israel and brought them forcibly back into Gaza. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the largest uh, number of those are Israelis. Um, but the but the second largest nationality is actually Thais, um, mm-hmm. who worked on the worked in the agricultural sector in southern uh, 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 Israel, and many uh, Thais have left already. Many of them are considering leaving. Uh, Filipinos who are there are considering leaving. So all of this is adding up to a significant um, uh, labor shortage. Mm-hmm. Um, other sectors, uh, tourism, obviously, is uh, uh, is directly um, uh, uh, hit by what's going on. Um, uh, all sorts of consumer expenditures, like you know, and travel, and hotels, and restaurants, and uh, uh, anything connected. All the shops that you see that are connected to the tourist sector, and of course, the winter time frame that we're going into is one of the most important uh, tourist uh, seasons for Israel. So, um, uh, so when you add it all t- up together, it's um, it's quite a, a significant hit. Um, there's also wider questions about brain drain of other high skilled uh, workers from other countries deciding this is the time to leave, and we haven't even started at the at the opportunity cost um, that that Israel is um, is 
is confronting. Um, Israel's economy was growing, and a big part of that was the growing trade with the Arab world in the wake of the Abraham Accords. Um, the projections into the future uh, were extremely positive, and one of the things that was uh, affecting those um, projections was the the hope that um, Israel and Saudi Arabia might normalize. Um, uh, that at least is is delayed uh, right now. Um, and so when you look at it all together, no one really knows um, what the actual projections are. Uh, going forward. And if you look at what IMF has put out, what different banks have put out, um, it is uh, all over the map uh, right now. And in no small part, because they don't know where the war is going to go. They don't know if the war is going to be uh, a matter of months or uh, or quite a long time. They don't know if it's going to expand from uh, one front war with Gaza to a multi-front war. So there's a tremendous amount of uncertainty um, there. But uh, uh, but but most of them seem to project a significant shrinkage in the economy in the fourth quarter of this year, of course, but uh, but also going into next year as well. Um, and that overall uncertainty affects longer range things like foreign direct investment um, and uh, others. You know, one of the uh, now on the on the positive side, as I said, Israel has a very strong foundation for their economy, uh, uh, strong in global sense and very strong in a regional sense. I mean, let's be clear if 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 Egypt or Jordan uh, had to confront the same thing that Israel is confronting today, they wouldn't last a month. Their economy mm -hmm. wouldn't last a month. Um, mm -hmm. Israel's strength of its economy has has allowed it to weather these storms um, to date. They also, the central bank has a huge amount of firepower. They, they've, they've used a lot of their foreign reserves. They've kept the currency uh, roughly where it um, where it needs to be. Um, the the government is able to uh, spend a lot of money on fiscal expenditures to businesses who are affected, uh, planning for um, uh, uh, rebuilding in some of the places. Um, oh, and I also should have mentioned about the labor shortage. It's also the hundreds of thousands of Israelis that have been displaced. From both the north and the south, it's much very hard to do do your work, uh, uh, notwithstanding our current Zoom world. Um, if uh, if you're if you're displaced um, out of your home, I just wondering because you were talking about at the beginning that there's this drop of private con consumption, and but that at the same time, at the latter of your uh, what you said is that there's a very strong backdrop from the bank and the government. So how does that offset each other? Because traditionally, we can we also see like U.S. financial aid to Israel during wartime as a way to mitigate economic hurdles, right? So how is that um, increasing government expenditure in military? It's going to offset uh, the other private the uh, the component of drop of uh, private consumption in the GDP formula. It will it will help, um, and certainly in previous 
uh, instances where Israel has engaged in military operations in Gaza and elsewhere. Um, these kinds of expenditures that you're describing, the additional fiscal fiscal expenditures, um, the, uh, the monetary uh, uh, actions of the central bank, have been sufficient to absorb the economic blows that have um, uh, that have beset the Israeli economy, and in fact, the downturns have been very short, and the Israeli economy has has rebounded nicely in the past. The difference is is that those were military operations, and this is a war, and it's a very different environment. The scale is different. The expected time frame is different. The effect on uh, the Israeli economy is different. The number of people that have been called up as reserves, the number of people who have been displaced inside Israel, uh, the um, uh, the impact on on tourism. Um, the, and a number of other sectors, uh, these are, are much larger scale than have been in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, uh, and so this will be a, a challenge for Israel to uh, to manage. Yeah. I'm just wondering, because uh, also you talk a little bit about the opportunity cost there, like uh, there was some uh, normalization uh, act between uh, in the Middle East region, between Israel and the Arabs. Uh, uh, how, do you mind to explain a little bit more, uh, tell us a little bit more about how that was and what kind of opportunity was that? Sure. The... the um... The Abraham Accords uh, took place three years ago. Um, the uh, uh, trade between Israel and the United Arab Emirates, for instance, um, has exploded um, since. The uh, investment, mutual investments has exploded. Um, trade between Israel and the other countries that have been involved in Bahrain and Morocco have not been as large, but similarly have increased. Um, what I uh, what I hear from uh, from both from Israel and from many of these countries is that nobody is looking to stop the economic uh, progress that's um, that's been made. Um, no one is looking to undo the Abraham Accords. These are strategic decisions that were made that benefit both sides. Mm-hmm. Now that all said. Um, it is undoubtedly going to be the case that um, that some of the future investments, some of the future deals, some of the future joint ventures, some of the future uh, trade that um, that was expected will be slowed by the environment um, that that we're in. Uh, uh, you know, uh, the 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 negative impact in overall perceptions about Israel. Notwithstanding the the horrors of Hamas's uh, terrorist attack, and notwithstanding the fact that Hamas is uh, generally disliked um, uh, as an organization, uh, uh, certainly in the governments throughout the region, and even many of the people in the region, but the pictures that are being shown from uh, Gaza uh, every day in the course of the war, the innocence that um, despite the efforts to to uh, to protect them are being killed, are being injured, are, are certainly being displaced. Um, these images are searing in much of the Arab world. And so it would be foolish to believe that there'd be no 
uh, impact from that on an economic um, basis. And then you get to Saudi Arabia uh, before the terrorist attack from Hamas. Um, there was a lot of talk, and my understanding is some uh, some significant reality behind the prospect of Israel's normalization uh, with Saudi Arabia. In fact, one of the motivations for Hamas to take this uh, horrible terrorist uh, attack is um, was very likely to slow that process, uh, to mm -hmm. deny that process, um, because they saw that process as fundamentally damaging to their vision of how the region should be organized about how the Israeli-Palestinian uh, conflict should be addressed. Mm -hmm. uh, and, uh, uh, and given you know, the the huge size of the Saudi economy. It's a G20 country, for God's mm -hmm. sakes. You know, um, uh, there would have been significant potential for Israel to, to power Israel's growth even further through normalization with Saudi Arabia. Um, I don't think that the prospect of normalization between Israel and Saudi Arabia is forever ended by the war. Um, but it is definitely uh, been delayed uh, mm -hmm. by the war. But then given that you said that like Israel has a much more stronger uh, foundation of uh, uh, economy relative to the rest, I guess uh, they can take this hit, right? Like, or they can still keep growing after, even, uh, we don't know when will the war end, but for sure they have the ability to bounce back and they can take the longer view and do the monomalization with Saudi Arabia um, in a much later future, right? They they absolutely can. Um, the only questions is the is the time frame that we're talking about. Um, you have some of the major banks. I think uh, I think it was J.P. Morgan um, that said that um, they're still projecting uh, positive. Israeli growth um, next year, but then you have the IMF saying that there's going to be a 5% contraction of the Israeli economy in 2024. The reality is nobody knows. Um, there's way too much uncertainty and risk built into these models uh, right now. But, um, uh, but in, and, and, and no one really knows what the answer would be if the war takes a very negative term uh, and Hezbollah joins. Uh, no one really knows if it takes an even more negative term and Iran joins. Um, these are the scenarios that um, are not highly probable at this point, but are not at a zero level of probability at this point either. And um, uh, and that's why you see these uh, uh, these projections just being all over the map right now. Mm -hmm. And um, right now we see we we don't know the end of the war yet, but hopefully it will end soon, and uh, we will see a stronger Israeli economy coming forward. That's that's the hope. Um, and in the meantime, you know, Israel has a lot of questions that it that it needs to answer. You've seen the um, the S and P already move Israel's credit rating to a negative place. Mm -hmm. uh, Moody's and Fitch are reviewing. Um, it right now. Um, uh, so, so the longer this goes on, the more of a challenge this is. Um, uh, 
you also um, have seen a, a large group of Israeli economists um, point out that uh, that that right before the war began, there was a policy decision in Israel to significantly increase the amount of subsidies given to the ultra-Orthodox communities precisely so they would not have to join the workforce. Yeah. Um, and now you're involved in an economy where the number one problem is a labor shortage. So, mm. um, uh, so, uh, so questions about priorities that were set uh, before the war mm-hmm. will probably uh, need to be reassessed now that the war is going on. And you actually mentioned a very good point because there's a lot of political uncertainty right before the war because of uh, what Benjamin Netanyahu was proposing uh, to change kind of judicial reform, right? So I I guess the other uncertainty uh, if the war ends is whether or not his government will uh, last, isn't it? That's absolutely the case. Um, The Israeli society... um, uh, on a political level, has been very divided for a long time. They've had a series of elections that have basically been 50-50 elections. Um, the, uh, this government then um, uh, proposed judicial reforms, which were hugely controversial with hundreds of thousands of Israelis going on the streets to protest them. Um, now, the fact that uh, the war happened and Israel was caught in surprise by surprise, um, it was a it was a security failure, it was an intelligence failure, it was a political failure. Um, and the perceptions inside of Israel have been generally quite negative about the prime minister's um, approach to these issues. He hasn't uh, uh, personally taken any responsibility, for instance, for the terrorist attack. And if you look at the polls, the uh, uh, if the election were to take place today, uh, the prime minister and his party would do very poorly. Um, now, what they have going for them is that the elections aren't taking place today, and there is um, no trigger for them to take place outside of the government falling. And the government, at least to this point, seems to be fairly well, uh, 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 fairly fairly tight and stable um, in that you don't see uh, a lot of internal evidence that the um, that other members of Likud or other parties are looking to uh, leave the government anytime anytime soon. So um, I do think that. Uh, questions about the underlying instability of the of the government may be a little uh, overstated. Um, I've seen some people write that the moment the war is over, the government will fall. Um, you know, Benjamin Netanyahu uh, is a master political tactician inside of uh, Israel, and a lot of people have lost a lot of bets over time betting against him. So. Um, uh, so I think uh, the more likely scenario is him holding on and trying to keep his coalition together to prevent any kind of action that would result in uh, uh, either new elections or even before that a change, a fundamental change in the government that would um, result in him no longer being prime minister. Interesting. 
Right. Uh, well, this is a very interesting discussion, and uh, let's hope that the war will end very, very soon. That's uh, it. And um, I will talk to you later. Okay. Thank you very much. Thanks for tuning in. This podcast was produced by Oliver Taslik in London. Subscribe to the Exchange and our sister podcast, The Fuse Room, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you like to listen. Catch up with more of our views at breakingviews.com and on the X social media site, where our handle is at breakingviews. I'm Kim Vanell. Join me every morning for a roundup of what's happening at home and around the world. From the front line in Ukraine, extraordinary how these people adjust and uh, even laugh when you take cover. To the heart of U.S. politics. When Trump said that he expected to be arrested, it seems like he was trying to get ahead of the story. We bring you everything you need to know in 10 minutes. For your essential daily briefing, follow Reuters World News wherever you get your podcasts. This spot is brought to you by Eaton Vance, the symbol of advanced investing. What's inside your ETF? With Parametric Equity Premium Income ETF, you know. Inside, you'll find institutional expertise from a specialized team with deep derivatives experience. Get to know what's inside PAPI, the symbol of alternative income, at eatonvance.com symbols. Before investing, prospective investors should carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. The current prospectus contains this and other information and is available at eatonvance.com. Read the prospectus carefully before investing. Not FDIC insured. Offer no bank guarantee. May lose value. Not insured by any federal government agency. Not a deposit. Investments involve risk. Principal loss is possible. Distributed by Foresight Fund Services, LLC.